0: So many people today focus on making money. But look, one of the things I get most fascinated with is that no matter the advances or the walk of life that you find yourself in, one thing is really true of all of us on this planet. We really want to be heard. We want to be heard. By the way, This is the subject around our innovation tonight, and I think you'll enjoy hearing the story that you're really about to hear. Welcome to our Wednesday live event called Innovation in Audio. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brands, coach your morning show and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs, provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotions ideas that move the needle, and much more. We are also confidential and market exclusive for Radio. Reach out anytime, F-O-R-D, at RainmakerPathway.com. Please know that if you work in a non-media or non-radio business, we actually founded Rainmaker Pathway as a company that helps companies just like yours get attention in a crowded world. If you are looking for a strategic partner that really looks deep into your business and can help you see your business from a different perspective and get the kind of attention that you need, reach out F-O-R-D at rainmakerpathway.com. This live event is part of a podcast series called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and will become available within minutes of the end of this live event wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. They do a pretty great job for us. Today, we're gonna visit with, uh uh-oh, February 2nd, 2022. A lot of twos involved in today's date. We are visiting with Dr. Rupal Patel. And she is the CEO of Vocal ID in Belmont, Massachusetts. And listen, before we get started with our current guest, I want to give you a quick preview of what's coming next week on Innovation in Audio. That's February 9th, 2022. And of course, Lois Barak is gonna be with us. Now, now Lois works with local iq automotive part of the usa today network we're going to talk about automotive we're going to talk about that category we're going to talk about getting attention in that category and getting customers in that category it's going to be fascinating especially for those of us i think who are in the broadcast business listen you can see our full upcoming guest calendar on our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com. And that is exactly also where you're gonna find free encouragement for on air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series and our encouragement for local sellers called in the encouraging sales success series, as well as free resources for anyone in radio or audio today. By the way, we don't lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do. Uh, we believe in what we call the theory of abundance. Ask me about it sometimes. I love to share. So go to rainmakerpathway.com anytime. See what you can get for free directly from our team. Let's talk about today's guest right now Rupal Patel. Uh, Dr. Patel, by the way, is founder and CEO of Vocal ID, custom synthetic voice designers. And the makers of Parrot Studio, a no-code, audible content creation platform. Sounds really innovative, right? Vocal ID is a spin-out from uh, Rupal's research lab at Northwestern, or Northeastern University, where she is a tenured professor, recognized as a voice industry visionary. Dr. Patel is known for her commitment to ethical AI, inclusivity, and accessibility. Vocal ID's voice dubs are a collaboration with professional voice talent that offer a fair and equitable way to scale their business through AI Voice, a voice industry thought leader and champion of social of the social mission to give voice to those living with speech disorders or loss of speech. Dr. Patel has participated in global panels as a keynote speaker and been featured in TED, NPR, MIT Tech Review, BBC, and a lot more. Dr. Patel, welcome to Innovation in Audio and the Encouragers, how are you?
1: I'm great, thanks for having me here, Lloyd.
0: Well, thank you for taking time from your schedule. You know, so many people, like I said, in the open are so interested in money all the time. And here you are working in a really interesting lane. But before we get there, so listen, when you were a kid, did you know what you wanted to do with your life? Could you have known that you would take the path that you've taken?
1: No, absolutely not. Um, What I wanted to do was really design clothes <laughs> and, and that was an oh. option <laughs> in my family um, and my parents my dad especially really wanted me to be a doctor like, like a like a medical doctor which I am not. Um, well,
0: I, well wait a minute so there was a lot of pressure in your family right?
1: Oh yeah yeah I mean not I mean it was mostly because he, he didn't know any different like there was like three careers that were really uh, you know, options um, that my right. father knew about at that time, and so so much of the world has changed. Um, but I really wanted to design design clothes, and I did that and wore my own clothes uh, in high school a lot. Um, but that was really the extent of where I got to with that.
0: <laughs> oh wow! So it, it's really interesting that you started with design. But not the design we're talking about yet. So, listen. When is the first time you remember someone calling you a thought leader? Because I remember when it happened to me. I want to know when did that happen to you, and how did that make you feel, Doctor Patel?
1: You know, it's it's funny. I don't believe really in. Um... I don't know, really. I think it's more recent because, you know, I have a pretty extensive career in academia, and and in academics are not really called thought leaders per se. They're more, you know, especially in the sciences and the life sciences, which is sort of my area. Um, mostly, you'd be called like an innovator or, or an expert. But thought leadership is a term and a word that you don't really hear in academia a lot. So it wasn't really, I think, until I started the company Vocal ID, and then once we got. A little deeper in thinking about things like ethics and 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 um, even the mission around vocal ideas is very much about something bigger than a particular project or a particular effort.
0: I think it's really interesting, you know uh, you get to be this thought leader, and that really comes probably from Doing something that's bigger than just yourself, doing something that maybe is bigger than your company, for sure. You're not just a thought leader, though. You have been a member of the Leadership Council for the National Small Business Association, founder of STEM for Social Change. Can you tell us about these things for people who don't know?
1: Sure. Yeah. So the Leadership Council um, for nas- the National um, Business Association is really a uh, small business association is really a way to um, <clears throat> engage small businesses. And and really, my effort has been around the small business um, innovation and research grants and the STTR grants that, uh, that the government gives out to commercialize technologies that that really arise from universities or other research groups, and so um, that's actually how we've been funded through Vocal ID, or that's how Vocal ID has been funded. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, I think it's really important that governments continue to think about the larger social mission of why do we fund research um, through taxpayer dollars? We do that because at the end of the day, we want that research then to come trickle down and actually, well, trickle down may be a loaded word these days, but to come and and actually impact people's lives, right? So if you're gonna build technology or figure out ways to improve a particular process in research, you want that then to have a broader societal impact. And that's what these grants try to do is take commercialize, to, it's actually the commercialized technologies um, and methodologies that are developed in universities.
0: You know, we live in the technology century or the innovation century. You put a lot of names on it, but a lot of people are afraid of technology. And yet you're right. What we really would like to see as humans, is we would like to see good things come out of this, things that are going to help society, help people, help uh, the next generation, if you will. I want to go back in your journey a little bit because I find okay. you a little bit fascinating. You were a speech pathologist in the late 1990s. For those <laughs> of us who who don't know, can you describe what it is like to be a speech pathologist? Tell us about that work.
1: Yeah, um, a speech language pathologist is, a, a, some people call it a speech therapist. Essentially, it's, uh, it's someone who is trained to... Um, to work with both children and adults who have speech and language difficulties. Um, Could be very simple things like a child who has a trouble has trouble producing certain sounds and so they have a lisp or certain sounds aren't ad- accurately produced so that could be an articulation disorder could be a child on the autism spectrum who has um, much more severe needs um, could be kids with cerebral palsy uh, who has both speech as well as motor difficulties as well and then with uh, adults we're looking at neurological disorders such as stroke um, head and neck cancer, um, ALS, Parkinson's disease. Uh, so uh, voice disorders could be things like singers and um, people like teachers often have uh, very raspy voices. I'm starting to get a raspy voice from talking too much. <laughs> um, but. Things like this. So speech-language pathology is a very, it's, it's a, um, it can be a medical or an educational discipline depending on how people come to it. Um, and it's a pretty broad discipline which works with the entire spectrum um, from children, from pediatrics all the way to adults.
0: That's interesting. Uh, a lot of us don't think about these things. I have a, a child who's now at the University of Georgia but had leukemia and there were side effects and all this so we saw uh, we saw somebody in this role so we're very grateful for that you don't think about things that are going to happen to you in life until they do right
1: absolutely and you know now speech language pathologists because um, they know about the anatomy and physiology sort of basically from the lungs up, um, are also involved quite a bit. In fact, any any speech-language pathologist that's working in the hospital is typically also the person that will be dealing with the swallowing disorder that happens as a result of stroke or traumatic brain mm-hmm. injury because the swallowing centers, um, what is responsible for helping us swallow and make sure that we don't choke when we're eating or drinking is... Um, you know, located in the brain very close to what the anatomy is that we're trained to, to learn about. And so, when I was training, um, you know, swallowing disorders were part of what we did, but um, now in the in the classes that I teach at the master's level at the university, that's really a predominant thing that we're um, we're helping with not just speech and and language but also swallowing but that would be too long a, a professional name speech, speech language swallowing so so and so on disorder well
0: <laughs> right. it's a, but it's fascinating how you could go along in your life for so long and suddenly you can develop this kind of problem that you never thought of before yeah and you're so grateful for these people that they are trained professions in this area listen is there somebody in your past or somebody in your life, maybe now even, who inspired you to be a champion of those with voice loss?
1: Um, You know, I've been thinking about this. And it's so I had my PhD um, advisor. He was a really interesting man. Um, He came to the field from um, as a as an educator first. And so he was first, I think, a teacher for special ed and then became a speech language pathologist sort of later in life. And where um, what kind of got me really interested in pursuing a doctorate was this whole area called assistive and augmentative communication, um, or, or augmentative and alternative communication. So uh, essentially using devices as a way to talk for people with very severe speech disorders. And what I learned from him is, even though we have these technologies, What we really need to do for many of these people who struggle with speech and they can't speak themselves and have to use a device to talk, is that in the moments they're not using their device, they are communicating in profound ways. So they're communicating with as many facial gestures as they have control over. Maybe with their hands if they have control over that, with their eyes if they can. Um, And he also with vocalizations, and it was actually working with him and the way he'd advocate for the needs of people who have to use devices, um, it was actually through that that I became fascinated with trying to look at what is left over in their voice that you and I still listen to, even if we have a very severely speech impaired individual. It's not, I know they can't use their voice on a daily basis but their voice still has something in it that familiar communication partners can attune to. And that little insight was what got me interested in pursuing a PhD. And then actually, I think that's actually what led to um, vocal ID. It's hard to know when you're mm. in the field, but like, what? how did these ideas come about? But I, I definitely feel like that was the germ that was sort of, or the seed that was planted so long ago, you know, to try to think about what else can they do and how are they communicating in ways that we're not even measuring because we've, we've said oh they have they need to have a device to talk
0: hmm. and this is interesting because i saw you talk about this and you talked about how our thing is to give all these different people the same voice and you're like no that's not right right is okay. is that what you struggle with
1: Yeah, exactly. And so it was actually in one of these, so my doctoral advisor and I had set up this advocacy group for people with speech language disorders uh, or with speech disorders who had to use devices to talk. um, And we'd gather people, um, Usually I think it was once a month or so. It might've been more frequent, I forget now. Um, And the idea was to come up with what are they struggling with? And many of the issues were things like transportation. How do they Mm -hmm. get transportation? What about housing? All all sorts of things just about daily life that they have to navigate when they have a device, right? And as I was conducting some of those meetings, kind of learning more about the groups that we had. We had a group of about 14, 15 people. Um, And one day I saw this gentleman Go and over to the phone, and and he used you know, he had to rely almost completely on a device to talk, right? So I'm like, right. why is he going to a payphone and calling his aunt? Because our our meeting was going a little bit, bit late, and um, he actually ended up having this vocal com- communication, you know, over the phone with his aunt. Now, yeah. the thing is. You know obviously the aunt didn't get an understand every single word he was saying but she understood the intentions from the melody of how he was speaking he was distraught he was you know repeating a couple things over and over again and she knows him well enough to know that he was you know going to be home at a certain time so there was context and contextual cues that she was relying on to try to understand what he was saying but i think that was the first inkling for me is that there is something in this vocal channel despite the fact that it's not clear enough to you and I to rely on as a, as a daily mode of communication, but we have gotta figure out what they can still do so that we can make sure that you know, their devices can sound more like them, it, not impaired, but like it actually belongs to them, you know? Um, that's what got me set off on, onto this, this whole area. And and I think it's really interesting that anecdotes like that are where you have an idea, and you park it for a while, and you come back to it, and it keeps sort of gnawing at you. Um, And that's something that, you know, is sort of a passion that it's hard to kind of um, detach from.
0: Well, and look, you won't be surprised You appear on something called The Encouragers. I'm going to encourage you in this way. My mentor, I have a a mentor who's a 72-year-old behavioral mathematician. And believe me, that is a challenge within itself. But he says that. That really the most important thing and the most amazing thing that can happen to you is that you are known that, you know, that you are known and that you can know someone. And that's what you're describing between this ant and this this guy. Yeah. Right. They knew each other. And this idea of your voice being your own, that's being known as you which yes. is really something that we don't often think about. Listen, I'd like for people who listen to this either in the live event or especially in the podcast to get to know our guests a little bit. Here's where it gets a little funky for me because I got to say all the names and I got to put everything together exactly right. And You know, it's we're not all doctors. So here we go. I'm going to try this. You were an assistant professor at Columbia University in the early 2000s. In fact, I see that your your path is Columbia University. University of Toronto, Boston University, where you were a research collaborator. Then there is MIT and Harvard. Can you explain your path here? It looks like tons of research and teaching for certain.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, after I finished my PhD, I did a postdoc at MIT, um, and then I went from there to Columbia University, where I was an assistant professor for a few years. At that point, my husband was here in Boston. I was in, um, I was at Columbia, and so we had what we call in academia a two-body problem, where <laughs> the couple yeah. is is in two different places. Um, and um, and then I was recruited to Northeastern University. Um, where I've been for the last 20 years. Uh, mm-hmm. BU and and some of these other places that I've also held academic appointments are usually during um, my uh, sabbatical years or with um, with collaborators I've worked with. So I've had, you know, prior to, to working at or starting Vocal ID, um, you know, most of my work was all in the research realm um, and teaching. I teach in two colleges at Northeastern University, both in computer science, as well as in speech and hearing sciences. Um, and so I, I did, you know, I had a full career there for 20 years. Right, but. sure. Um, and, and then when the, when the opportunity came to, to be to start this company, um, I think I was ready to, to try something new um, and apply the knowledge and, and skills that I'd learned as an academic and, 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 you know, all that world to this new area as well.
0: Well, and is it scary for you to jump out there? Because, look, you, you've spent a good amount of time, about 20 years as the professor, uh, a professor at Northeastern University in Boston. Today, you're this uh, tenured professor at Northeastern University. Uh, I'd like to ask, what makes that university so special? And why are you venturing out? Isn't that scary?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Especially since it's a it's a great job and it's an awesome university. Um, I have so much to thank for. You know, for the for really the vision of the university, the where they're going. It's so much of it is about interdisciplinary studies, and uh, it really is. They walk the walk, the talk. They t- whatever talk the walk, whatever. It yeah, be. they um, they walk
0: the walk that they talk the talk, right?
1: Exactly, both of those. Um,
0: yes.
1: What's really interesting to me is that this university, when I came here in two thousand and three wasn't you know people didn't know it in the way that we know it today and today it's one of the most innovative universities it has climbed so much in the u.s news and world report and a lot of that is because it really embraced this idea of the fact that disciplines are no longer silos and that's what i love about it and actually uh, so as I've taken this leave and jumped into this, it's, it was very scary at the beginning. Right? It wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a fantastic job. And so like to leave that and to try something new is 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 daunting. But it was also an opportunity where what I could do in the lab was limited to a handful of people. What I could do in, you know, with this company, the goal was and the aspiration is that it's hundreds, thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands or millions of people. And that is something, you know, I think after you've achieved certain things like tenure and whatever, you wanna have impact because Mm. I mean, what is another paper gonna get you? But really um, you wanna see this, I wanna see this work impact people's lives. And so it was scary, it is scary, still scary. (laughs)
0: Listen, I I promise you, I know this uh, as, as undoctor as I am, that, of course, you know, that's not a word, but I'm going to use it here. Uh, I know that millions and millions and millions of people can be impacted in uh, emotional ways and, and quality of life ways by what you're doing. It seems like you have accomplished a lot at the university, you know, the knock on professors and like, you know, some people will say, well, you know, if if for those who can't do, they teach or whatever. Right. Well, <laughs> here's the deal. You've sort of jumped past all that, not just to coming out front uh, and beyond education. You've jumped into the entrepreneurial world. Was that planned or did it just sort of happen? Or how do you describe that?
1: No, it wasn't planned. Um, It was, I mean, in terms of just happened, probably not, it's probably not that either. Um, What happened really is that I was sort of looking for after, you know, after I became a full professor, really looking for ways in which I could take the work that I've been doing. We, We had a number of different prototypes of different kinds of projects we'd built in the lab, and I was looking for some other way to kind of have that impact. And so, you know, it was sort of dabbling in different projects. And and what happened is that um, I got the chance to talk about Vocal ID at, um, at TED Women in 2013. Oh, nice. And it was a, yeah, it was an amazing opportunity. And at that point actually this project the vocal id project we used to call it vocality in the lab um, it was kind of at the end of that project it was the funding was had run out and so on so forth and you know i was on to a different project that was all about helping kids how to read aloud but mm-hmm. a reporter at npr took that work and, and, and kind of asked me some more questions about it and kind of probed a bit more and it, and it re-energized this entire research area and then after i gave the talk what happened is everyday citizens, everyday people like you and I kind of raise their hand to say, I would like to donate my voice to someone um, who can't speak. And that was the sort of a last minute add on into my talk to ask for people to donate their voice um, as part of the, the TED talk I gave. And what was really inspiring, and I think what kind of was the push for me to say, okay, go. If you're not going to leap now, you're never going to leap. (laughs) Um, And that was it. Actually, you know, a few months later, um, I, first of all, tried to actually do the, do some of this work within the university. And then one of my, my provost actually came up to me um, during the graduation ceremonies in in, um, April of that year in 2014 and said, you know, Rupal, I, I, you know, it's great that you wanna do some of this and create this voice bank at the university, but what's the long-term plan? And he's like, I'm not sure it belongs mm-hmm. at the university. And so he gave me that edge to then you know, take it out. And that was, a, that was a, big, uh, a big bet, but it was one where I've learned so much in the last seven years that if you are gonna be you know, an academic or um, anyone who, who thinks that learning is important, there's no better way than to jump in.
0: That's right. Okay, listen, so what happens to someone's voice when they donate their voice? I think we all want to know that.
1: Yeah, so it's actually not as scary as you think, right, donating right. your voice um, to the Human Voice Bank. So actually, Vocal ID now has these two sort of separate areas. One is our work, our social mission work, to help people with who have speech um, impairments. And for that, if you want to donate your voice, you – go to our website, which is the, um, the Human Voice Bank website. So it's slash Bank, And there, you're prompted to read aloud some phrases and sentences. And those phrases and sentences then um, are used to then build a voice for someone who can't speak, usually by blending your voice with someone else's voice who is um, similar to you in age and gender and maybe even accent or if they, their preferred accent. Um, and voice type and and so we are not just giving your voice to someone else um we're taking your recordings and their recording an ai voice that
0: so well let me ask you this please repeat that.com again slowly this time you're you're such a fast talker i just want to make sure people have an opportunity to write this down
1: Sure. So when you're contributing your voice to the human voice bank, what'll happen is you will get on our website, www.vocalid.ai slash voice bank, and then you'll be prompted through a very simple user interface that looks kind of like a teleprompter to read aloud a few hundred phrases and sentences. Those Mm -hmm. sentences and phrases have been selected so that um, they cover the full range of sounds and com- sound combinations in the language. And then those recordings plus the recordings of the person who needs the voice are used to then create an AI voice that will be used on their assistive communication device.
0: It's a powerful change for those people. Powerful, right? Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And some people also bank their own voice for themselves. So if you know you're going to lose your voice um, to a condition like ALS or head and neck cancer or things like that, we also um, have people banking their voice for themselves or for their future. That's
0: so interesting. Why do you feel so strongly in and have such a commitment to ethical AI, inclusivity and accessibility? Why is that important today?
1: I think it's important, not just today, but it's important no matter what, because I think unless the technologies um, that we are building today, we we have an eye to ways in which they could be misused, um, we're not really thinking ahead. So, um, you know, this technology that we built was obviously built for a social good, but you can also imagine that someone could use the technology in a way where they're, they do have other intentions, right? They could be Mm. trying to imitate you or, you know, there's a lot of ways in which technologies, any technology, not just this one, but any could be misused. So I think it's really imperative that the makers of the technology and the early thought leaders are really talking not only about the benefits, but also about the unintended consequences. And I think that's really important. I don't think that that is the, I don't think Otherwise, you know, I don't think fear should be what's guiding this, but I think ethical practices is what should be guiding this. Um, Thinking proactively about what could go wrong should be guiding this. And I think that's a really important piece of it. Um, And I think it also helps sort of calm people who are just going to be on the opposite side, raising a red flag about fear, because I think that squashes innovation. I think innovation is really important.
0: Oh, yeah, there's a reason that those guys had a problem with the whole Earth is round thing. It scared them, right? So, listen, in terms of things that could go wrong, I hate to be this guy that, you know, does the horror film or whatever. But what, what do you think are some of the, the things that could go really wrong when it comes to AI?
1: Well, I mean, AI, so... Synthetic voice. I, I won't talk about all of AI. I mean, all of AI is, is uh, right. Yeah, but in terms of synthetic voice or AI voices, um, the big thing is that they're essentially audio deepfakes, right? Just like we have video deepfakes, audio deepfakes, um, you know, could provide ways in which people could be defrauded, right? Um, mm, it, there's world. yeah, and also as especially right now when we think about. Um, you know, scams on on the phone on, you know, a lot of banks now have gone to uh, voice biometrics and things of that sort. So
0: look, it's interesting. People have, let's call them criminals, since that's what they are. Uh, Criminals have really rudimentary tools, and they're intaking hundreds of millions of dollars out of fraud. So imagine they can replicate your voice. That's pretty fearful.
1: That's right. And I think, you know, on the one hand, we have a a movement, you know, across the board for open source technologies, right? Open source software, um, which does allow for, you know, more capabilities for even maybe the novice users. But at the other side, you have to remember that There is not only, you know, if you have an AI voice, there's there are ways to protect it. There are also ways to plan for this, um, rather than just saying, well, all of this technology is no good and it it shouldn't be used. And so that's kind of what I think is that. If you're going to regulate or if you're going to standardize, you have to have the people that are building the technology as part of the, you know, as part well, of. Well,
0: because regulators will not be a part of innovation. They will be no. about trying to stop innovation in some ways. I know that sounds rough, but it's really true.
1: It's true. They don't, it,
0: they don't have an interest in trying to do experimental things. They don't want to do that.
1: Right. They're and I into think- control. That's right and then, and then they're shutting down the whole thing right so right. It's like, rather than I mean th- we see this everywhere we see this across every single inter- every single discipline and innovation is there is constantly some fear whether it's fear of you know uh, AI taking over human jobs whether it's fear of AI you know being used f- for fraud but we see this in the chemical industry we see this in the biological industry we see it mm. everywhere so well, it's not special. <laughs>
0: Right. So listen, what is your hope when it comes to restoring or helping those without voice? Because that's a big thing.
1: Well, my hope is that, I mean, I think voice is part of someone's identity. And right. my, uh, my hope is that voice um, and it, giving them the capability of having access to their voice after they've lost it, um, you know, it, through these digital realms, gives them it improves their quality of life, one gives them a, a sense of themselves, for themselves as well as for their family members and loved ones. I think that's really important. I think we forget that, you know, I think in medicine there's this emphasis on saving the patient at any cost, so that's great, uh, but there's also the importance of how they see themselves, how they interact with the world. And I think that's yes. where technology can play a massive role. Um, you know, quality of life is vital for people and mental health in terms of like how you see yourself in the world. And so I think this technology is empowering. I think it's uplifting. Um, I actually even think for people who are saving their voices for a later time, there's a cathartic feeling about you know you, you're, you have you know some kind of a, a neurological disorder, you have, you've got head and neck cancer, you can bank your voice. There's something really, really powerful about banking your voice and more than just for yourself, but that the fact that you can also help someone else, that's huge. You know, um,
0: Val Val Kilmer, yes. who starred in things like Top Gun and a, a bunch of other films, a major movie star. I, I know a lot of people have seen, I think it's either on Netflix or Amazon the documentary that he did, and he no longer really has a voice. He, he can't do that anymore. In that documentary, they used the voice of his son sounded just like him. Such a powerful representation of self. Yeah. But everybody doesn't have that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and the thing is, it's still a proxy, right? If if imagine yes. if you could recreate his voice um, from previous recordings, and you know the technology today, what is capable, what we're capable of doing today versus maybe four years ago, five years ago, is like night and day different. And five years from now, it's going to be even better. So mm-hmm. it's really exciting, but it also brings up you know new things that we have to consider, which we've never had to think about before.
0: Well, speed of innovation is always a little bit frightening for people. Listen, you were a founding member. I'm probably going to say this wrong, but I think it's the Athe- Atheos Coalition. Is that right?
1: Is that how you say it? We say it as Athos Coalition. It's like the A-thos ethos coalition. of AI. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Listen, so tell us about this coalition and why you co-founded it.
1: Yeah, so Ethos Coalition basically is a coalition of synthetic media companies that are interested in proactively guarding against misuses of the technology that we're building. So it's companies like Vocal ID and others. Our other co-founder is Modulate AI, that is a speech-to-speech conversion company here in Boston. Right. Um, and there's other companies that are also part of the coalition. And it came about because when we were doing some work back in 2018 um, at Vocal ID. You know we recognized that the voices that we were building could actually be used to um, you know break into uh, um, you know go across the uh, the synthetic the, the, the biomarker aspect for banks and and what we wanted to do was mm. be able to prevent against that and so um, that's really where the, we sort of started talking to other companies like ours. Most of the companies right now in the Athos Coalition are mostly in the audio space and the voice space. Uh-huh. But we also actually want to work with, you know, with avatar companies and visual companies as well. Visual synthetic Oh, because it's media. coming. It's all that's coming. coming. Oh, absolutely. Even more so. Um, and so I think our goal is that... You know, we're not doing this because we want to to um, to create more fraud and, and social mayhem. <laughs> of course not. Right? <laughs> so most, you know, all these companies are 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 trying to do something that is really impactful for people um, and trying to safeguard against that. And so our goals are aligned in that way. And it's important for us to educate the public. It's important for us to have safeguard measures and to talk to one another so that we can collectively come up with solutions so that, you know, I think larger companies have a hard time with this. Um, we know the the certain kinds of actors that have, you know, said, sorry, after they've uh, shared all your information with other, you know, uh, vendors and so on. Of course, because that counts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't, you know, I think proactively doing something is the real important thing here. And that's what we're trying to do with Athos.
0: Well, it's really fascinating that you have both the accelerator on innovation and the brick light is showing up on trying to keep everything safe as you go, which is really wisdom. Now, listen, you, you were a finalist for something called Mass Challenge. Can you tell us about this?
1: Oh, Mass Challenge was actually very early on when we started Vocal ID. Um, right. Mass Challenge is an accelerator uh, here in the Boston area, and it's actually now worldwide as well. And mm-hmm. um, it's really uh, a way for companies that are first starting off to learn about the, the bread and butter of how to start a venture, what you need, what you and essentially it's kind of like a buffet. You go there and you get all of the information you need about how to start a company and and launch it. Um, And it was really, really uh, a great way for us to get into the ecosystem and to learn Mm -hmm. more about that. Um, since then, we've been involved in other accelerators, which have also been helpful at different stages. So we we went through an, another one recently through um, the, through something called Creative Destruction Labs in Montreal, um, that was much more about scaling as opposed to just starting off.
0: Right. All right. So we've done all this work to talk about your past, talk about where you come from, talk about all of these different things. Right. I wonder if you could now give us a full, robust view of vocal I.D. as it is today and where you're going, where you're going.
1: So vocal I.D. today. Of course, it continues to do the work with people who are non-speaking, but about two years ago, we started working also with companies as well as professional voice talent. And I see one of them is actually on this call. Hi, Anne. Um, hopefully, there. I don't know if there's others as well, but we work with professional voice talent to create their AI voice it's kind of an extension of the work we did with people with speech disabilities right we're saying now right. these professional voice talent um, they don't have any disabilities uh, what they're trying to do is trying to have to do jobs where they can only do you know a certain amount of work in a day but assisted with AI um, there is the potential for their work for their um, voice to be the voice of products and services and here's where one of their themes of our, our interest comes back into play, which is diversity and inclusion. And so we're trying to build voices that are diverse and inclusive so that products and services sound like, the, the ones that are speaking to us today, sound like the world we hear. So it's not just a certain certain set of voices. So it's not just a Siri voice or an Alexa voice um, or a small set of voices. It's really the diversity of voice across the whole spectrum that we wanna hear in our products and services as well. So we work with companies um, that want to have voiceover but need a lot of voiceover or need that voiceover to be um, produced very quickly. And so they would use our AI voices to produce that content. They may also work with our talent um, to to have live voice recordings as well, but this also gives them the option of using AI voices to generate voiceover.
0: Okay. So now I'm going to put the big pressure on you. You re- Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. So uh, what do your parents think about the direction you've taken your professional life and especially this leap into entrepreneurship?
1: <laughs> what do my parents think?
0: Well, mm. just think about, I think about your past and I think about that moment where your dad is like, okay, I mean, look, he wants to keep his daughter safe <laughs> on safe ground and, right? I mean, I don't know him, but I'm telling you, that's your dad. He's thinking about what's your future going to be like and what's the best future for you. And so now look what you've done.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, they tell me they're proud of of what I'm doing and of the things that we've accomplished. And especially my, my mom, um, worked with uh, kids on the autism spectrum. And so for her, she understands, especially the social mission part of what we do. I don't know if they quite understand so much about the new work that we're trying to do with voiceover, but understand that that is also part of growing a business is you've got to have more than, um, one revenue stream. And so, uh, yes. My my dad often asks, so how are you going to make money? And that <laughs> is, right. is 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 definitely uh, a thing that they are um, always following. But I think more than more importantly, they're they're very interested in the fact that there's there's an impact and there's there's something that makes me happy and that makes them happy.
0: Absolutely, and look, it goes back to that thing where we talked about. Most people are focused on making money. Okay, there it is again. With your parents, how are you going to make money in this? Okay, but you are also attempting to do something that's bigger than just yourself, that's bigger than just this company. Now, earlier, we we kind of approached AI because you're in it. You're in it, and you're well aware, as the 37% of the other population in the U.S. is well aware of what the metaverse is. 37 percent okay these things are coming okay and i know that you kind of i could hear it in your voice or you're like well i don't want to get into war and peace on this little podcast okay but you're in ai here's my question for you what is the true future for ai in your opinion
1: i think that there are different levels of ai that we're already experiencing and that we probably don't label as AI today. So Mm. um, AI is is basically a machine that has enough, uh, or it's a set of algorithms and machines that are performing some task, right? Right. Um, And so I think right now there's a lot of fear about this, but I think it's gonna be a much more smoother integration. So there's a lot of content. So for example, people might've called what we call CGI, right? Computer generated images, Um, you know, special effects in movies and special effects in audio, all these kinds of things. You could kind of think of them as AI, you know? Um, The the main thing about AI is it's supposed to learn. It's supposed to teach itself and get better, right? With more data. And so Mm. I think that people, the idea of that is sort of creepy to people like oh the machine's gonna learn and and, and you know of course it's sci-fi. Learn how,
0: no it's gonna learn your you as a human better than you know you right that's scary
1: yes but i think that we underestimate humans humans are vastly creative mm-hmm. and humans will always be one step ahead of the machine. The machine will be able to know facts and numbers and can solve problems. And we've had calculators forever. Are we scared of calculators? No, Not at uh, all. the calculator always knows the answer. And yes, there are some you know, strange people yeah, well, that rise, pi or whatever.
0: Yeah, there are some people that are afraid of math. Now, oh, come on.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, but it's not the same. It's not the same kind of fear that you're talking about right now.
1: No. yeah, And I think so to me, I feel like right now, we are, we are afraid of what is what is uncertain, but creativity and the capacity for human beings to do things that are not just about information transfer or information like searching for information. So, you know, will someone be the, the Jeopardy champion? You know, will there be an AI that can be a Jeopardy champion and beat out somebody else? Maybe. Well, but who cares? Like really what matters is, are we still gonna have artists and are we still gonna have creative people? Are we still gonna be able to have something that really challenges us in a way that isn't about just number crunching or factual you know, retrieval? That's what humans do best. And I think actually, funnily enough, I think AI is gonna push us to be more human, more innovative, more creative, rather than dealing with the mundaneness of fully pulling up facts and solving you know i don't know calculator problems
0: i love that you talk this way because here's the truth i don't care what you do with technology people want to be heard we talked yes. about this earlier they want to be heard that's not going to change with technology okay now listen one final question for you uh before we get to potential audience questions Are you also hopeful about the metaverse? You know, I think about these people who have limits because of something physical that has happened to them. Most of us don't think about this. But when you think about the metaverse, don't you get hopeful about them being able to make that leap?
1: I do. I think about people with um, with physical disabilities. I think about the elderly. I think about, you know, people that are lonely. Um, I think yes. there's a lot of, of that. I also worry at one level about the rest of us. I mean, we've kind of had our own little metaverse the last couple of years with COVID, right? right. And we're stuck in metaverse land, Zoom land. And I think about, you know, things like our physical activity and our sedentary mm. lives these days. And as long as we can keep that balance and and separate, you know, you know, so many kids these days are stuck in their video games and so on, and, and, and adults actually too. Um, Absolutely. And I think that that's the one thing that I hope that when we get into this, these new media, we don't forget that we are human beings and our bodies continue to have to be fed and dressed and moved and you know even if we can appear mm. however we want in the metaverse
0: <laughs> well and there are consequences to everything you do or shall i say don't do yeah right okay well listen i i definitely want to first say thank you uh dr patel for for making this time for us and for joining us on innovation and in audio i hope you'll stick around for a few minutes here in case Somebody from our audience may have a question for you here in a moment. Does that sound okay?
1: Absolutely. And thank you for having me. This was a really fun conversation.
0: Oh, very great for me. And I hope great for our listeners and our listeners in our podcast who will hear it later. Look, if you haven't subscribed to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, you're already missing out on great content every single week. We have this big archive. We already have this growing archive of shows. And you won't believe what you'll hear that will improve the value of your career, maybe the value of your life. Oh, yeah, I'll go that far. You are listening to this live event. Make certain you have joined the encouragers here on the Clubhouse app because, well, we're about encouraging. Please share that with people that you know, friends, uh, people that you work with who are either into audio or into innovation, two of our key areas that we talk about. Find out what our guests talk about every single week, including ways that uh, we can help your career become even better, certainly more innovative by subscribing to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. Uh, Of course, we also have a second podcast uh, that. Comes from our Monday night event. That podcast is the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Both of our podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. We're going to open up our room in case there are questions from the audience right now for Dr. Patel. Uh, just push the button at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device uh, to raise your hand. That's the indicator that we we know that you want to come up on stage and talk. Of course, we ask that you mute your mic uh, once you do that, when you come up on stage, until we introduce you. At the same time, I got to say this to you, not everybody's going to want to come up and be that vulnerable on stage and give their question. That's why we let people send us an IM through the IM feature of Clubhouse. And you can do that now as well. Please save this date and share it with anyone associated with broadcast or audio revenue, April 14, 2022. That's the date of our next exclusive sales event for market managers, sales managers, and local radio sellers. We're calling the upcoming q2 sales exclusive event getting higher sales now in a crowded market more details are coming later but i can tell you if you missed our first quarterly sales exclusive event called the 2022 sales liftoff you can find that uh, as a podcast episode now in the free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com or you can just subscribe to the encouragers the radio rally podcast or Uh, The Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, you get that for free in our archive. Don't forget, Monday, you can join us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the radio rally right here live on the Clubhouse app here with the Encouragers. February 7th, 2022, Larry Gifford is going to be our guest. He's the National Director of Talk Radio and President of PDA. Avengers that's in Vancouver, Canada. So it's I think it's the first Canuck we've had on. It's going to be kind of fun. Tell your friends in Innovation Audio, and specifically radio, that they can get free resources anytime at RainmakerPathway.com in our free blog section. Uh, so now, Lois, uh, yes.
1: Can I add one thing? And I, I know that you're talking, I'm hoping that, I was hoping that Lois would have been on the call still, But I know you're talking oh. a lot about radio. Um, yes. One of the things that we're exploring a lot with Vocal ID right now is that these voices that we're building. Um, there's actually a huge market potential in radio in terms yes. of imaging, in terms of short-form audio commercials. Uh, there is, I think, there's really a play here where the use of market uh, sort of market specific voices. If you think about, you know, voice in different areas of the of the yes. country and even the world where you could use these voices, um, as needed, I think is, um, and with obviously with permission is really what could be, could be game changing. So I'd love to connect with your audience at, on that level as well.
0: Oh, that's a very good idea. All right. So I do have a couple of questions from our audience that come through the IM. Uh, Somebody wants to know, did you enjoy your 2013 TED Women appearance? What was that like? What attracted you to that?
1: Oh God, I loved it. I, I, first of all, when I first got the email, it was in, like in Ted red ink and I thought it was a joke. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then as it became clear that it was real, it became more from, it went from funny to nerve wracking, um, but it was really, really an outstanding uh, experience. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a couple of like t- meetings before the actual presentation where I just had to present to a small group of people, but it was, um, it was really something that was a, a game changer and a pivotal point in my career.
0: It's really great for somebody like you to be able to address uh, a powerful group of women, really, and others, and be able to share your story. I'm glad that you've done that with us. Here's another question from our audience. Uh, this one's going to kind of be fun to have you be forced to answer this. Uh, do you consider yourself to be a powerful force in voice? And they added this uh, how can others help you?
1: Do I consider myself to be a powerful sort <laughs> of
0: or a powerful force in voice? Yes,
1: I would say yeah. Why not feisty and powerful? And how can you help? Well, if you believe in our mission, and you, um, and also if you believe, if you think that this is really a direction, we we we're working with voice talent in collaboration with them. So, if you're voice talent, yes. Uh, if you you know if you think that this technology could be useful in your products and services or the work that you do we'd love to talk help us make this happen and turn this into a reality i mean we're a small startup still and but we want to we want to get out there and do you know do good by making it actually profitable for you as a voice talent and innovative for you as a business owner but also have some a way to make a difference
0: I love it when people start talking about how any of us can come together especially with a powerful force like this, and do good in the world. I want to thank you again. Listen, we do try to keep things to about an hour. Our thanks to Dr. Patel for, of course, being our patient and giving guest as we prod and talk about all these things. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, which is available right now. Of course, this episode will be available in the next hour or so. And thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our Audio footprint and distributing them. Please do share our podcast, The Encouragers, The Radio Rally, and The Encouragers, Innovation and in Audio with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio or love innovation. Both podcasts are available on, on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else, after all, we are The Encouragers. Be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of innovation and audio with the encouragers and good night. Good night. Thank
1: you.